Hey, this is Aaron Enderlin, and you're listening to Picking It Out with Andrew Pope. Well, it's another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. Yes, just another podcast. Gonna be picking it out. Yeah, we got Aaron Enderlin in the house. Yeah, and we're gonna be picking it out. Well, hey, y'all. Yes. Mm-hmm. My name is Andrew Pope, and I appreciate y'all tuning in to another episode of Picking It Out. Whether you're watching or listening, uh, don't really matter. Let me bring this in a little closer. I barely got enough room to burp in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have a fun today. We got um, this really, really talented young lady here, songwriter, singer. Uh, she's been doing this a long time. I love some of her songs that she's written. Uh, just, I think there's few songwriters, um, in the Nashville scene these days. Maybe there's a little more now than maybe, you know, 10 years ago, but, uh, there's few that really have substance to their songs. So we're real excited to welcome Aaron Enderlin on Picking It Thank Out. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. Thank you for doing it. Uh, and third time's the charm, like I said. We had some technical <laughs> difficulties because technology is technically difficult. That's <laughs> it's about true. the conclusion I've come to. It is to. indeed. So uh, what's been going on? You said you're in Arkansas right now. I am. I'm in Arkansas, and uh, we just had the Arkansas Country Music Awards Monday. Um, and I was lucky enough to take home a couple awards there, Songwriter of the Year and Entertainer of the Year. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. And more importantly, I got to celebrate my, my grandma's birthday this last weekend. So, My grandma's birthday was two days ago. That's awesome. How so we're that? very close. This universe. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, and I'm very close with my grandmother. Always have been. Um, the uh, you're from Arkansas, right? I am. What what part? I grew up mostly in Conway. Okay. Um, I lived in Little Rock and Hot Springs a little bit too. You know, old uh, Ed Bruce is from Arkansas. Oh yeah. Man, what a Love great. Ed. My God, what a what a voice he had! Like I feel like him and like Don Williams, you know, mm-hmm. had like the richest voices for country music. That just just you know instantly that it's them singing, and a great mm-hmm. writer as well. I mean, he wrote, of course, some huge songs. Uh, but a few years ago, I'm trying to think of the the city that he lives. Him and his wife lived in. It's out kind of in the middle of Tennessee. You know how you can kind of get out between Knoxville and Nashville, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of nothing out there but just land. He's out there somewhere uh, close to um, where Ward Davis lives. It may be in the same town okay. Ward Davis lives in, actually. But I wrote with him one day. I drove out there, and we never did finish the song. He was. He's, he said he hadn't written in a while, and mainly I just loved hearing him pick his guitar up and sing in the living room in that little log cabin, you know. And that, that's so cool. He had a belt buckle. He had like a coffee table in the middle of the room, and uh, he had a belt buckle from every country he's been to. <laughs> that's I mean, awesome. Who has that, you know? I don't know. Like, where do you even find belt buckles? That were, if they, I guess if you're on a mission, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, it's kind of kind of like a lost art. I feel like you know people. These people used to make hats and all these mm-hmm. all these leather guys and everything. I mean, there's just not a lot around that I know of anymore. Yeah, uh, I got a friend Austin Whaler out in Colorado. He makes some awesome leather tool work, man. Yeah. Oh, really? Like guitar strap. Uh, you I know, love that stuff. You know, Cody Hickson. I don't. He's in Nashville. Um, he made some stuff. He made me a guitar strap, but he, uh, I can't remember. I think Shooter Jennings is what got me into him because he's done a lot of stuff for Shooter. That's awesome. Um, but congratulations on the award you took home last night. That's really awesome. Thank you. Uh, I love getting to represent Arkansas out in country music we've got a lot of good stuff here oh yeah uh there's uh how many years did it take you to realize what you think you were meant to do you know it was interesting because i uh fell in love with country music really really young and like i remember watching uh reva mcintyre on the nashville now show and uh thinking i want to do that mm-hmm. when i and when i looked up what the episode was it, i would have been like four years old um i started playing music really young and doing all that i don't know i think later in high school or i had a guitar teacher when i was 13 who he had played some with like emily Lou harris and chet atkins and stuff and i was uh you know, trying to get him to help me put the melodies that I was hearing to these songs and stuff. And he was like, you know, people do this for a living. People write songs and do this and whatever. And I think that's when I started to kind of make the connection of like, oh, okay, this is like a career and people do this. Cause you know, right. when you're little and you see all this stuff, I don't know, it kind of seems like magic or something. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you when did you move to nashville like when did you really get serious Um, with it when i was 18 Mm -hmm. i moved to nashville and uh started i went to school at mtsu um and just started digging in as much as i could going out and seeing shows and meeting anybody i could to to talk to and learn from and Mm -hmm. i was lucky enough to get hooked up with a great publisher um I guess the third year I was there and my senior year in college, Alan Jackson recorded my song Monday morning church with Patty Loveless and put it out. So I got to go into writing full time. Mm. I love that song too. That's a great song, man. What, what a, uh, your third year is when he cut that the third year. It was my fourth year there, but uh, I got to start demo. I got to demo that song my third year there and uh, it had been on hold for a couple of different people and he ended up cutting it my spring break of my senior year in college. That's really cool. I can't imagine how you felt. It was really wild. <laughs> he, it was a number one, right? And number four, number four, but uh number one in my heart. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like you said, it's, allowed you you know to to do this really now so yeah i've always really admired alan for you know just standing up not only for country music but for his friends for Mm -hmm. things that he just thought was bullshit you know like the one of the AC, you remember one of the ACMs? George, one, yeah. The one with, yeah, with uh, choices. They wanted the, to, they wanted George Jones to just sing like a chorus of a choices or something like that as they're going to a commercial break. And George was like, the hell with that. Yeah. Which I totally understand. You know, he's George freaking Jones. Right. And so Alan uh, just switched over from his song to choices and just walked out of there. Yeah. I'll never forget that. That was incredible. And I remember one before that, um, you know, they, they, a lot of the bands back then, I guess, to save time and, uh, 
on the on the shows and everything from switching back and forth they would uh have the audio tracks and sometimes they would even you know not even be singing it'd just be up there going through the motions kind of thing but i think on this one was uh he was supposed to sing and the band was going to be behind him but it was actually a track playing it wasn't the band playing so they didn't have all the stuff hooked up and the drummer is like directly behind him he told his drummer to go out there without any sticks but play like with air sticks so the whole time you see alan jackson around his head and the drummer's back there like doing this and no sticks yes (laughs) and oh my god i love it this shit like that i mean you know you gotta respect somebody like that and so good it's uh not something really that you think will be typical of a guy like him but uh i've always kind of respected him for that because you know not a lot of people would have the guts to do that so um, yeah since then i'm sure that opened up a ton of opportunities and i know you've had multiple songs recorded by multiple artists but what, what, how long did it take from then to like the next time you got something cut by somebody uh rainy travis cut one of my songs two months later and wow. um, then i got a record deal on rca records i got an arts development deal um and i'd had a couple bites but it's one of those things where the, actually the first song First song I ever had on hold was for Patty Loveless. She didn't end up cutting it, but I just thought that was so cool. And then Trish Yearwood took one of my songs in the studio, uh, but I guess it didn't, you know, I don't think she ended up keeping anything from that session. Mm. Um, but had those, uh, Alan and Randy back to back and then did the, the deal. And then uh, with RCA and then Terry Clark cut one of my songs. And she had actually had Monday Morning Church on hold. Mm. when Alan cut it. Uh, but they were, it was one of those deals where, you know, um, sometimes the labels, they have real specific timelines on when they're doing everything. And, oh yeah. Um, so she wasn't really sure when she was going to get to go in the studio next. And Keith Stegall was producing her and Alan. So he played it for Alan and Alan liked it. And so, you know, the country artists, they're really respectful of, of writers and what you're doing. And so she said it was fine for him to cut it because he was going in the studio a lot sooner and she didn't know yeah you know what would be the deal so and i don't with terry i don't it might have been another year or two yeah well that's that's a lot of you know it's always interesting um to talk to songwriters other songwriters because you know once you it's like once you have that big hit it gets your name out there it gets you working more uh it gets you singing more demos you know whatever the case may be and it all leads to the next one but some people have there's Mm -hmm. like a huge gap in between that i mean even you know like really big hit songwriters oh yeah and so it's always interesting to find out like the momentum kind of after that you know um but uh did alan ever like, did you ever talk to him after? He I did. Out? I, it was funny, actually. Um, I got a call one morning. It was like eight o'clock in the morning and I'd been playing out the night before and stuff. So I wasn't even up yet and answered. And they were like, well, you know, is this Aaron? Alan wants you to come to his show tonight. And I, I was just thinking, well, I don't know anybody named Alan. <laughs> like, does Alan Reynolds, <laughs> is he producing like a new act or something that's going on? And I, and I was just waking up and I said, well, I don't know. I got people coming into town. I have to call you back. And I hung up and I was like, wait, Alan Jackson's playing in town tonight, but I didn't even have enough money to get tickets to the show because, you know, you don't get paid for the songs out on the radio for like a year. Yeah. Um, and uh, I called her back and I said, I'm sorry, I think I'm an idiot. You didn't mean Alan Jackson, did you? And she goes, yeah. And he said he'd leave a bunch of tickets for you at Will Call so you can just bring whoever's coming to town with you (laughs) (laughs) and uh got to go back and meet him and he uh he said nice song keep it country and uh found out years later i got to go see him get inducted into the country music hall of fame and and he told the story that 
when he had George Jones come out for his um, Don't Rock the Jukebox video, he asked George if he had any advice uh, for a young artist, and George said, keep it country. So mm. I got secondhand George Jones advice from Alan Jackson. Yeah. Not that's, bad. That's cool. <laughs> ha, have you? Has he listened to any more of your songs that you know of? Yeah, he's almost cut one of them several different times. Um, they even called me for this last record, wanting to get a copy of the lyrics again and see it, but it hadn't quite made it. And that song is kind of a weird one because it's actually, it's the song I've had recorded the most, but it's never come out. Wow. And I've had a couple like that, but I think it's going to find its right place one of these days. It's kind of wild how it works, isn't it? I mean, I've not had the yeah. success, you know, as a songwriter uh, that you have. Um, John Schneider has been my biggest advocate so far. He's That's he, awesome. He's recorded like three, I think, of my songs. And, it's a huge honor, you know, and he's just a great guy, yeah. great guy. But uh, he had some huge songs in the eighties. Uh, mm-hmm. He was always a good song picker. You know, he could pick the great songs. That's what he said. Conway told him he could, he knew how to find a good song, you know, and he still does. Uh-huh. Uh, a great writer too, great actor and all that. But we've threatened to write a couple times. I really? need to get a hold of him. Yeah. He's such a cool dude. Yeah, he is. He's he's got so much. Like he's into every making movies, uh, appearances, doing shows. We did some shows with him, you know, before COVID and all that. Um, we'll probably do some more, but you know, it's uh, it's it's like a it's people that don't know the music business don't really get it. It don't just have to be, you know, a good song. I think in the end it comes back to, for me, it's got to be a good song that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. But when you throw the business part of it in there, it could be something that's just needed at the time and the everything just hits just right. You know, like yeah, a five o'clock somewhere, you know, I heard. Uh, I was just playing in the car. <laughs> oh, really? It, yeah that the whole story about how that song you know came about i mean they you know they didn't think they were going to ever get that cut but turns out alan jackson wanted a, a song like that you know and he wanted to record uh-huh. with jimmy buffett so people don't really you know think about all that but that's yeah. kind of the music business part of it and then you Moose got Moose brown who co-wrote that has been one of my biggest supporters and produced a couple records on me Oh, I love him. He, uh, I met him, I think I met him like five or six years ago. He's, we were supposed to write and then things kept happening. He was actually going to come to Muscle Shoals and we're going to write with my friend, Mark Narmore. You probably know Mark. Yeah, I know who he is. He's He's an awesome writer. You got to get with him too. He, he would love it. Like he's, he's, he's good. He's Josh Turner's recorded like something they write together all the time. And Josh Turner's recorded something, I think on every album, except for one that he's ever done. That's awesome. Uh, Mark's a great guy, but you know, it's uh Terry Clark. I really, I've always really liked her too. And I've heard she's, a, I've never met her, mm-hmm. but I've heard she's a really good uh, person, you know, I love Terry. She's one of my best friends now. And uh, I I always loved her music. Um, and she was a big influence on me because, you know, she was a woman playing guitar and singing stuff that was maybe a little edgier. Cause I, you know, I'm a real tomboy and kind of, you know, I like to tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not, but she always had those amazing guitar riffs and stuff. I'm not as good a guitar player as she is, but I love watching her play. And um, I've gotten, she's actually recorded more songs of mine than anybody. Now I've been lucky enough to get seven Terry Clark cuts and uh, got to write quite a few of those with her. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. She's, she's unique. I think too. Um, she's, mm-hmm. she's uh, not, her voice has got one of those voices that everybody had. You own, everybody had their own voice at a certain time. Mm-hmm. It didn't everybody sound like just the same thing, 
like you do here a lot of times now, which I don't even listen to yeah. country radio anymore, but I hadn't in years. Um, One of the things I love about her too is like she can go play, you know, like Billy Bob's or something honky tonk and burn it down, mm -hmm. but she can also go out. She's been doing these acoustic tours for a while and sit there and, uh, you know, just burn down the house, just her in an acoustic too. Yeah. I didn't know she was, I didn't even know that. I don't think that she could play. I mean, I knew she could play guitar, but I didn't know that she was really that good at it. Yeah. Know? She, she plays a lot of the stuff on her records. Really? Mm -hmm. Um, she did she write any of her early hits? Oh yeah, she wrote. Um, I actually did a thing uh, during Women's History Month. I got to partner with uh, Change the Conversation and write up some really cool. I got to really dive into some amazing artists and writers. And I think she wrote fifteen of her hits, twelve or fifteen of her singles. Um, wow! And you know, she wrote. If I were you, she wrote that one all by herself when she was like 18. That's a good song. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. That's kind of like the Clint Black thing. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, it's rare. But you get a big record deal. I mean, they're going to you, you're not going to get your songs cut most of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, especially if you're a newcomer. I mean, it's just they're going to they're going to do whatever they think, you know. So that's that's a really there's some really amazing writers in Nashville. I do think that that's maybe if people are allowed to write more. And I mean, I certainly haven't written a ton by myself. Although I'm working on a new project right now, and a couple of the songs on it I wrote by myself. I've been trying to get back into that more. There's something really awesome about co-writing, and you can, especially if you're writing a whole lot, um, and to help finish a song and things. But there's also something really unique about writing by yourself, and I think especially for artists who write, it really helps to figure out who you are. Like you said, you know, having that really unique voice, having that different sound. Mm -hmm. I, totally I, don't, agree. I don't think people realize how small the pool of writers and players and stuff is in Nashville. Uh, no, they don't. They don't have, they don't have any idea about any of that. It's, it's kind of, and it's, it's almost like it's got smaller even. Oh Yeah. Uh, Even when it was way bigger than it is now with uh, mm -hmm. being able to make your living as a writer, which we know we could do a whole podcast series on that. But oh, yeah. I read in the newspaper in Nashville that you had a better chance of starting for the NFL than being a writer and making your living doing that. <laughs> that's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty accurate, I think. <laughs> But we but we but we don't have the knee problems. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, you may have to see a therapist the rest of your yeah. life. <laughs> but, <laughs> the you brain know, problems. But co-writing, I mean, if you've got good chemistry with your your co-writer, it's there's nothing like it. I mean, that is therapy for me. Yeah. You know, but then I agree with what you said about writing by yourself. I was not confident enough to believe in my songs enough early on. 10 years ago mm -hmm. um once i started co-writing with people and the manager i had at the time you know would set me up with these uh nashville writers I, I realized how it all worked i put everything together and then i could write by myself i could take mm -hmm. you know the, the idea and i just knew how to structure it better i knew how to just make it a better song and now i i know how to do that but it That's has so to cool. it has to hit, you know, does it for you? Like it has to hit you. I can't just sit down and try. Um, I've done it both ways. I won't say I'm not as consistent as some Nashville writers, but I do think that going in and like, you know, sharpening your pen every day oh, yeah. does have its merits. And I've, you know, I've been a staff writer. I've been in Nashville for about 21 years now and I was a staff writer for a long time. And I, I guess I still am, but only for myself, uh, which is a different story, <laughs> but um, because I really wanted to start putting out my own records. And every time I'd sign a publishing deal, they'd be like, Oh yeah, we get that. Well, you want a tour, you want to write. And then as soon as I'd sign that paperwork, they were like, okay, well, we're going to need you here five days a week. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which doesn't really work out with touring, but um, so I've taken a little time to, to do that myself. Um, but uh 
I learned so much from those staff deals and, and getting to go in every day and write. And also not just from the writing, but like the songs, they play other people's demos or like I was at Universal for quite a long time and they had a, uh, I still wish I had a, like could just go over there. They had a, a demo room, tape room. And after I'd write, I'd go down there and just put headphones on and just listen to people's demos. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like they had, you know, Dean Dillon's like entire catalog down there and mm. Josh Keir, tons of other people. Um, and so that was a big part of it. And just, I don't know, hanging around other writers. I mean, I used to go, there was a time I'd go to my office and Bob McDill would be there half the time. Wow. And it's like just being in the same room with that guy, you know, it's like, what? <laughs> Getting see that's it just shook me right off my access talking about Bob and Dill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably just want to write know, everything like, down. Patrice Berg is one of my favorite writers, and I'd go out and watch her shows and just really soak it in. And um, there's definitely something to be said about that. And I've learned a lot from co-writers. Yeah, I have too. Uh, I you know sitting in a room with Bob McDill. You probably just like have to have a notebook ready because just talking to telling you a conversation about his dog, it would probably come out yeah. so poetic. <laughs> I could imagine, you know, yeah. You're like, can you say that again? <laughs> yeah. Let me get that out one more time. Uh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. And all those guys, I mean, you know how it is. It's one of the things I love about country music that everybody's so down to earth and, yeah. and humble about what they're doing, you know, I'd go in there and make a cup of coffee and Bob would start talking to me and I'd be like, Bob and Dill, like I can't talk to you. I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, I was lucky enough to get to know Merle Haggard some. And I remember being out there rhyming and being backstage and guy came over and was like, do you mind if I sit on the couch with you or whatever? And I was like, you're red lane. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I'll get up. I'll go get you another couch. <laughs> that had to be wild. How did you meet Merle? Yeah. I am good friends with one of Merle's bus drivers, Ray McDonald. He's one of my favorite people. He's got a really cool book out right now, too. Um, but Ray, he lived with that. He moved in with Haggard when he was 14, uh, back before, you know, Haggard was Haggard. Mm-hmm. And um, worked for him pretty much his whole life. And he's got just some amazing stories. And I just love Ray. I met him out at a show I played with Jamie Johnson out in uh, Pozo, uh, California. And we just were hanging out after the show and connected. And uh, so through hanging out with him, I've ended up being able to hang out around Merle. So. That's really cool. I, I got to meet Merle through uh, Jeff Cook. Oh, yeah. A few years ago. That's awesome. We we had actually talked. He told me a crazy. I've I've told this before, but you'll appreciate it too. Uh, we were standing there talking, and he just out of out of the blue, yeah. He he, you know, he was like so intense. You know, if he's looking at you, he's really listening, and he's just like sizing you up, kind of. You know, like he's just really intense. Like you don't know what he's thinking. <laughs> But he he started uh-huh. telling me about it was after he had got so sick the first time when they canceled like a whole run of shows. This yeah. was the first show back. And it was at Soundcheck that day. So the band and uh, Raymond was there. I met him. Uh, and Ben was there. And they were just, they were setting up the folding chairs on the floor. And Merle was sitting in one of them down there doing something on his phone. And Jeff was sitting by him because Jeff Cook would go play back then. He would, if he was off and Merle came close by, Jeff would go sit in and kind of sit in the corner and have him a little amp and just play. And Merle would recognize him during the show. And, you know, they were, they were, they were pretty close, but, uh, Merle starts telling me about the spider that followed him in his hotel room underneath the door. And he, he said, we just don't have spiders like that in California. And he, he, he said, uh, 
if I, I guess if I go crazy, just tell everybody I'm all right. And then we kind of looked at each other like that Dewey Cox, like lost in the, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. I said, hell, that sounds like a song. I mean, I was scared to say it even, but he, yeah, maybe so, you know. He wrote down his number and handed it to me and just walked off. He said, call me Monday, just walked off. So I'm sitting here trying to process all that. You know, he had just met me, but he met me through Jeff. It didn't like I wasn't standing there for an autograph, you know. Yeah. I never called him ever. I, I was just I was like, he ain't gonna remember who the I hell I am. Have. I know everybody said that, but you know, I, it was it was like a thing. It's like he ain't gonna know who I am. I'm gonna make an ass out of myself. But I was wrong. It was just. You know, it it was one of them things. But the night that he died, I was listening to Rainbow Stew uh, on vinyl. I've got that vinyl. And I took that idea and I wrote, If I Go Crazy, and I put it on my last record. And I had, That's so I, awesome, man. I had James Mitchell come in and do like a, a Haggard-type guitar thing in there, and it's perfect. But uh, still got his number in my phone. I can't bring myself to swap it out of there no (laughs) man that's so cool i made an ass out of myself a couple times around him but well but he you know now i know like even if you did it wouldn't he wouldn't have looked at it that way he's been there (laughs) i mean he you know when he was around lefty frizzell i can only imagine how he felt you know probably the same way but it's hard to think like those guys came from that too. You know, John mm-hmm. Anderson, John Anderson talked about when swinging came out, how scared he was. Cause they put, he said, they put my dumb ass right in the middle of lefty Frizzell and Loretta Lynn put me <laughs> right in the middle. Boy, Florida boy didn't know he was scared to death. I mean, you know, that's so cool. You forget about that. Cause we grew up, with these people like nobody came before them almost but they really did i mean you know it's just it's it's one of those weird things but yeah it's merle was i really like raymond i had a conversation with him he probably don't remember me that's the only time i ever met him but what a nice guy he was really humble and Mm -hmm. um i didn't know he's just one of my favorite people i didn't know he had lived with haggard like that since he was Mm -hmm. 14 you said yeah, he moved in when he was 14. And then for a little while, he lived with uh, um, Bonnie Owens <laughs> around the corner. Oh my I went Lord. out there, me and my friend Kayla Ray, who I love. And if y'all don't know her music, you would love it, too, if you like this kind of stuff. But we were touring out in California, so we got to go down to Bakersfield. And Ray took us all over to show us all the like the cool, you know, all the places we went to go see Haggard's High School. We went to see the bar where he used to sneak in and play pool and stuff when he'd skip school. And um like Bonnie Owens house was literally just a couple of blocks around the corner from where Merle's house was. And Ray's house was right across the street from that. And he had moved in with Merle and then around the corner to Bonnie. And, uh, it was so wild. We got to go see so many cool places. And we sat out on the banks of the Kern river for a while and, uh, got to go see Merle's, uh, house over there in the, they have like this, it's like a museum park kind of, they all got all kinds of cool, stuff out there but uh, what's the name of his book uh merle haggard was a friend of mine i believe i gotta get that that's you want to have him on your show yes i i definitely should i'll try to get in touch with him i'd love to have him on he was i love his voice man i wish he'd do a a book on tape with that one oh like he's just got great stories you know great stories about the stories behind the songs and you know, how different connections are made. Kind of like you were saying about, you know, who would know that Jeff Cook and Merle Haggard were friends and he'd go play with them. Just cool stuff like that. You just see how music brings people together. And oh, yeah. Magic. And it crosses genres, too. Like, genres doesn't even mean mm-hmm. a thing. I mean, you know, everybody from, what, Tom Petty to Bob Dylan, you know, has talked about Hank Williams mm-hmm. and what a songwriter and artist he was. And that that goes 
a long way. You know, it, it doesn't matter that he was considered a hillbilly yep. by some, you know, or whatever. He, he, man, he, he was so young too to write those sure. songs. Um, it just crosses all, you know, I've talked about this with several people. I think music, it's just music has healed me when nothing else in the world would heal me. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like there's a spiritual connection because you couldn't, you couldn't feel that way with anything yeah. else. And you're not, you don't even know what's happening. Like uh, there's been songs. I think that's what has driven me. Like there was something inside of me. You you probably feel the same way. I mean, I remember when I was being a kid, just hearing a song and man, it just sticks with you. It's like nothing else, not looking at a picture yep. or nothing. Just, it's, it's just something inside of you. Especially from growing up. I mean, I'm sure you do too. I remember places I was when I heard a song for the first time. Oh, yeah. And there's no, like, there's no reasonable explanation for that. Nobody nobody can explain that. I think it's just something. The power of it. It is. It's so powerful. It's one of the most powerful things on the planet, I think, still. And, you know, I, when somebody comes up to you and tells you one of your songs made you feel, made them feel the way that a song made you feel, that's like the whole full thing, is it not? Oh, yeah. It's so wild. I'll tell you, I got a job out working out at the Opry for a while. And part of the reason was I just felt like I still really, really wanted to be an artist because I had this thing where I was waiting for somebody to tell me it was okay to be an artist. I didn't realize still that you could just do it. Yeah. Um, and I'd been writing for years and uh, at least a good decade and or more. And I just felt really confused about what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, the kind of music that we love maybe isn't the number one thing everybody's clamoring for right now and, and different things. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to go get a job as a hostess out at the Opry, I had a friend who worked out there because the Opry is where I fell in love with country music. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if anything can bring me back to where I'm supposed to be, that'll be it. And one day I was standing up front uh, taking tickets and we wore these ridiculous outfits. They've upgraded them now. It looked like you were flipping burgers back in the seventies. You know, it was great. (laughs) And uh, these three teenage girls come up to the door, maybe 17 years old. And they're freaking out. Just, you know, the whole, ah, screaming and all this and i was like oh y'all y'all big fans of jason aldean because he was playing huh. that night and they said no you wrote you don't know jack for luke bryan will you sign our tickets and i was like how the hell do you know like yeah. who i am plus like i'm not even in any kind of place that you would you know it's not like they went to a show no one i was gonna be there i'm scanning in tickets at the opry in this crazy outfit <laughs> but that's how strong that song connected with them right and, uh that's just wild to me. Yeah. How, how did you get that cut, by the way? I'm sure people are real curious to know. That one, uh, I played it for my publisher, and she said, that's too country for Luke. And so I went and played it for his record label, and they said, well, that's too country for Luke. That's not really what he's looking for. And I, I knew Luke a little bit, and I had his email address, so I emailed it to him. Mm. And I said, you know, I don't know if this will be right for you, but I, it's a it's a great song, and I think you'll like it one way or the other. And he called me about two hours later and said, don't play this for anybody else. I'm going to cut it. Wow. How about that? Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy, really. And because not to say that, you know, I'm not trying to throw dirt on anybody, but just to say that, you know, because I know a lot of the folks probably listen to your podcast, they write and do things too. And, you know, every time you hear a no, it's just one more step towards a yes. You, people Absolutely. don't know. No. They're trying to do the best they can or whatever. But if you really believe in something, if you're really passionate about it, you just keep going until you find the person that connects with it. That's very true. Uh, I, I, I've i only done that one time. Uh, kind of, I mean, I, I've, I've pitched songs directly to artists before. Um, but when I met Willie one time, we, we, had exchanged information and he said, anytime you'll send me a song, email me. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I met Willie through Bobby bear. So 
I, I just, I never did. I, and after a few years, I had written this song. I told Buddy Cannon about it. I think Buddy liked it, but he said, you won't believe this. But I just produced this record on this guy with a name is the same title. And I'm like, well, there that goes, you know, because he, he didn't want to get in any. He didn't want the guy th- like if Willie well, whatever. Cut it, if he didn't write them, then. Yeah, and there's plenty of songs in the same title. It is, but this is a very unique title. But I know what you mean. I mean this this is this is like this is a title that it would have been really weird. I've never heard this title yeah. before, and it would. It, That's so strange how that happens. I just feel I felt I took it like it was for a reason, you know. Um, I think Willie heard it, and I think he loves it, but. Ultimately, if Willie wants to do it, he's going to be the one to make the decision, yeah. ultimately. Of course, then, you know, now everything, like COVID and everything, so I don't know. I'm I'm out of the loop now, but uh, it, it, it's a, it was weird because when I was writing that song, before I finished it, I was like, Willie, Willie. I can just hear Willie doing this and loving this. It reminded me of something he would have written back in the day. But, you know, it's what it is. Uh, it's 21 years now. You said you've been in Nashville. Mm-hmm. It's a long damn time. Yep. It's really not a long damn time for a lot of people, but <laughs> it sounds like a long damn time. It's and, like yesterday and forever all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, Nashville's changed so much now. It's hard to even get around town. Yeah. It's a lot different. Need some, need a little whiskey in your coffee in the morning just to get, go have lunch somewhere, you know, just to get through (laughs) it. Just miserable. They've got the roads closed and everything. And I can only imagine how it was back in the day, you know, when, uh, in the seventies, that that had to be the time. Mm. The, uh, you've had, uh, what was your last song that you had recorded? Uh, I guess Sonny Sweeney and I wrote a couple songs around her last record. I had a couple about the same time, but I wrote Poet's Prayer with her and uh, uh, I Drink Well with Others. I really like her writing and singing too. She's really good. Uh, she's total badass. And she's been at it a while too. Mm-hmm. Long time, I guess. Probably... I mean, I was trying to think when her single, it's like the early 2000s, I think. Maybe 2010 or something. I don't know. I think, yeah, I mean, around then. Uh, your last record was produced by Jamie, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Jamie Johnson and Moose Brown. That's a hell of a team right there. Yeah. Uh, how'd you get to know Jamie? Um, I got to know Jamie Three Moves uh, way back when he still had a Marine haircut. So, and uh, Moose and I, it's kind of a weird long story about those records because I, I just got to put them out here in the last couple of years, but I actually recorded them about 10 years ago um, with the money that I got from Last Call. So, I guess Leanne Walmack should be on there as like executive producer or something. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, Moose and I talked about doing this record, and I guess he was talking to Jamie one day, and Jamie was like, well, I want in on this. And, and Moose called me, and I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. You ain't going to say no to that. I mean, <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I, I love the Blind Boys of Alabama record he produced. Did you Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. Man. Oh, yeah. That's something else. It's so good. Uh, I saw a little behind-the-scenes video on YouTube one day of all the artists coming in and out of there and everything, and that's just so so well put together and different, yeah. you know. Uh, the uh, catalog that he's got, I know, is beyond. I- I've heard people tell stories about, man, he would, 
you know, he sang this demo that of this song that we wrote or these other people wrote. And I, I don't know why I just don't put this song out. You know, there's so many of those. And so people are hungry for another Jamie Johnson record, but yeah, it'll, it'll happen when he's ready for it to happen. I mean, there's no point in rushing it. Yeah. I've been lucky enough to get to tour with him quite a bit and man, I love, I mean, he does his own songs so great, but he's definitely one of those artists that he loves doing covers and he really makes them his own. Oh, yeah. They're so cool. Uh, he sings that Tom Petty song, top of the world. I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't know I wasn't that familiar with it, but man, oh my God, it just like blows the windows out when mm. he does it. I love, he added a horn section and everything. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's I incredible. His band. Ugh. Oh yeah. They always have been so tight and they just kind of follow him, you know, he's, which if you've got talented musicians, they're used to being able to to do that i had billy earhart on here i don't know if you know him he played with hank jr for 20 something years in the bamble band and he was talking about hank didn't go off a set list and he would you know throw a song out there it might be a cover (laughs) it might be his daddy's song might be one of his might be one he just had written that week and they kind of had to follow but he would also try (laughs) to throw them off like he would try to play stump the band (laughs) course he would he loved it <laughs> but he said we we hang in there pretty good <laughs> they did too i mean he was with them all through the the 80s and all that stuff he he was actually a, a member of the amazing rhythm aces i'm gonna have him back on because i had such a response to it we're gonna do a whole hank, awesome. a whole hank show i asked him if he was okay with doing that because people wanted it and he said yeah that's what they want yeah because we just brushed the surface. I mean, we could have talked for hours. Uh, That's killer, man. But uh, the uh, your you said you went to MTSU. Have you been? Mm-hmm. I know you have been, but people don't know this. That room back there with the music collection and the old WSM. Oh yeah. My God. It's insane. I had no idea that they had all that stuff there. And it's mm-hmm. so organized and it's like everything's stuff I've never even heard of. And uh, I did a radio show there w- with Justin Reed. I love Justin. Oh, you know him? Uh-huh. I hadn't talked to him in a while. I, I, I would do that about once a year. He took me back there in this. It's like a library of cataloged music in different formats and it's blew my mind i I couldn't even believe like the stuff they had in there and then the old i think it was the old mixing board is that what it is from the first i don't know that the first um wsm Oh my god! Yeah, it's there, and it's just sitting there. Jeez, you hadn't seen that? That's so cool. I don't think I've seen that. I'm pretty sure I remember that. That's pretty cool. Maybe somebody didn't tell me what it was. Uh, That's amazing. I mean, it's not. You can't. It's not. I don't even think it works. But it's they've got it there, and it's in pretty good condition. Uh, I, I was thinking to myself, why does Middle Tennessee? have this and i still really don't know like why they have that big collection do you know they've I, they've told me and i can't remember off the top of my head is it the is it john Siegenthaler collection or something i don't know but there's somebody there somebody donated a huge amount of stuff there and kind of started it off i think and they've just kept doing it but i think it's one of the most extensive music collections around yeah that's what Justin told me. He took me back there. I think the last time I was there and I wonder what he, he would know. I wonder what he's been up to. And he's like an encyclopedia of freaking. Oh yeah. Country music. I mean, I've never seen anything like it to be his age. I'm like, man, you must just <laughs> live and breathe this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. 
uh, I don't know what he's doing now. He did a he had a show too. Did you? Oh, that's where we met at. That's yeah, right. that's right. Sorry, it's st- it's still early, y'all. For, it is. It's fine. It's twelve forty one, and it's been a long morning, and <laughs> with technical difficulties. <laughs> so you said you're working on a new project now. Yeah. You gonna just about to start doing some announcement, getting to announce some stuff about that, and I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Uh, play us a song if you got if you got a guitar. People would love to hear. I'll something. do it. Whatever you want to play. I'll play. I'll play a newer one. yourself or is that a co-write i wrote that with uh, my buddies kayla ray and kimberly kelly 
And you mentioned earlier about Kayla Ray. Talk talk about her. Mm-hmm. Want people to check out. She's awesome. She's got stuff up on all the streaming sites and things. Uh, but she, God, her writing just kills me. I love it. Uh, when we do a lot of shows together, um, she's like Towns Van Zandt, Guy Clark level writing to me. Wow. And uh, I just love her voice too. We have a lot of fun together. And Kimberly is a great artist too. And she's uh, she actually just signed a record deal, so she's going to be getting some new music out here too soon. Good. Deal. And I've been I've been listening to some that she's been recording, and it is real, real good. Tell her her name again. Kimberly Kelly. Kimberly Kelly and Kayla Ray. Y'all y'all need to for sure check them out. Yeah. Uh, what like inspiration for you? Does it hit wherever you're at? Like, or does it? Is it like something that you try to find if you're sitting down trying to be in a getting a creative mindset? Sometimes I do try to find it, and a lot of the time I just try to be open to it and just kind of collect ideas. You have like a, you know, you'll hear somebody say something or read something and just hit you a certain way. Yeah. That's the same for me. I, I bet you've probably got a list in your phone, like on the notepad, just read. Oh yeah. I've got it all jumbled up. I mean, it's like that Luke Bryan song. You don't know Jack. I was driving with a friend and we were going to go out to eat and I saw a um, big, uh, why is my brain not working now? one of the uh, billboards for Jack FM and it said, you don't know Jack. And I was like, why is this not a country song? And I was like, we're not, we're going to go back and write this real quick. (laughs) 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 Went back and wrote the song. Yeah. That's how it happens. You know, uh, the Bellamy brothers, uh, David Bellamy, he, I, I got to go out to the ranch in Florida a few years ago and me and him wrote songs all week. And that's cool. It was, it was so cool. I love that ranch out there. They've got like an old barn studio, and I mean, they did all their vocals there. They had Jimmy Bowen fly in to that damn barn <laughs> at their house, and they did the vocals. That's amazing. To their, I mean, I'm like, y'all, who has that kind of clout? You know, where instead of going to Nashville, y'all come here. You know, but yeah, he talked about writing Sugar Daddy. And he said they were at old Howard Johnson in Knoxville, and they was outside, and that somebody had a as a man and a woman had the hood up on a car, and he said the guy was like a shade tree mechanic, and he said what you needs a new car, and she said no, what I need is a sugar daddy, <laughs> and he wrote it like that <laughs> night. <laughs> that shit, I, I love, love it. I love that because I've done the same thing. I'm sure you have too. You know, but it's like when you're first learning about all this stuff and these people and they're sharing this thing with you, it's like, really? It came from that? But yep. you, you learn how to channel it and you take your ideas and, you know, it's <laughs> it, it can be about a blue shoe or it, it can be yep. anything, literally anything. If you put your open, like you said, you got to be open to it. Um. I've got, mm-hmm. you've got voice memos, I'm sure, in your phone, too. I, if I'm driving, oh, yeah. I'll just jot something down or record like three seconds and then go back to it or whatever. I mean, people, it's like ADD on steroids or something. Yeah. Tell everybody where uh, they can go check you out or. Yeah, um, I'm all over the interwebs. Uh, I on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And uh, com is up. You can stream me on uh, Spotify and Apple Music, Pandora. That's some pretty cool stuff. I love turning on the Aaron Enderlin Pandora channel and see who else they'll put in there with I it. Think, it's like uh, cool <laughs> shit. You know, you hear your song right behind, like, I've, legends. <laughs> yeah. I've never admitted to listen to pulling my own Pandora station up, but it is. It is kind of... Uh, I'm just yeah, just out of curiosity, it's like okay, who are they gonna yeah. put with me? You know, they kind of nailed it though. I mean, mine's like 
Alabama and Hank Jr. and Waylon and Willie and Haggard and maybe Cody Jenks, maybe Ward Davis, you know. Yours is probably Terry Clark, Trisha Yearwood and like stuff like that. I can they, oh yeah, they've got like Johnny Cash and Christopherson and Crystal Gale and Oh, they got uh, it's the coolest stuff. Awesome. Well, I'll check out your Pandora station if you check out mine. <laughs> yes. That's a song right there. <laughs> really enjoyed talking to you today, and thanks for doing the song. And uh, Good to see you again, and good luck on, uh, on the uh, upcoming announcements for your new project. We'll be looking for that. Awesome. For Thank sure. you. I hope I get to see you in person here again. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe maybe the world's kind of getting back to the world again, and I hope I hope we can. But uh, we appreciate you listening or watching, picking it out, and we'll see you next time.